Hello, everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting people and businesses today. We are focused on women, money, and power, as well as diversity in all areas. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO, along with... I'm Beth Hilbing, co-CEO of C-Suite. And today, we're so pleased to have Helen Norris with us today, the Chief Information Officer from Chapman University, as well as a C-Suite member. So welcome, Helen. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, so Helen, we understand you recently testified before the Senate Health Committee on Cybersecurity Threats and Challenges in Higher Education. How did you get invited to um, to, to speak to the Senate? <laughs> well, you know, I wish I could tell you. I wish I knew how that happened, but I, I do want to say it was just an amazing experience. And I, I honestly, I could talk for hours about it. I'll try to restrain myself. But basically, um, what happened is on May the 3rd, we got an email into our community relations group from the staff of Senator Patty Murray. Patty Murray is the chair of the Senate Health Committee, which is Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, uh, indicating that they were going to have this hearing um, to talk about cybersecurity in health and in education and they wanted experts, two experts from the health field and two from education. You know, I I have a pretty high profile. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about being on boards and so forth, and I'm on a number of national boards. um, And so I I think my name is is sort of out there. So uh, I was like, oh, you betcha, you know, and I I texted my boss. I was like, is it okay, you know, for me to do this, you know, because, and he was thrilled. So um, what happened then is that was, I think, a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Uh, they wanted to do an interview with me. I, I guess they wanted to make sure that I was that I was legitimate, right? So I had a phone interview. It's what it felt like on a Wednesday or a Thursday um, with members. Uh, there were about 12 people on the call. Uh, the staff from Senator Murray, she's the chair of the committee, and then the ranking member. So, you know, the committees are generally chaired at, at the moment by a Democrat and a ranking member for the Republican Party. So Senator Burr's staff. So I had um, you know, 12 people on the phone asking me general questions. They wanted to do a little bit of follow-up. And so um, I think I had a second call with them later that week. And then they sent me a formal invitation to appear. Uh, the formal invitation came on May 9th. The hearing was on May 18th. And um, the, it's all ex- super formal, as you can imagine, in the Senate. So the hearing was May 18th, but they wanted to have materials in by May 16th. So I got the formal invitation on May 9th, so I had seven days to prepare my materials. Very specific about what you can prepare. The way the process was is each of the four experts gets to speak for five minutes, um, but you can submit as many written materials as you want, right? So I actually, I just put my head down and just churned out written materials. Now, I want to, you know, and especially to get this message across to to everyone, to women, but to everyone, you know, it really was my network that did that work, right? I said, I prepare those materials, but I reached out to everyone that I know in my network. I'm on the board of Educause, which is a higher ed IT organization. I got an enormous amount of help from Educause security and policy people. I spoke to CISOs at other universities. I just got a ton of help from people. So I actually am very 
proud of the 85 pages that we submitted. So we submitted 85 pages. Uh, it's all in the public record. You can go to the Help Committee um, website. Then I focused my speaking, you know, my, my verbal with the five minutes that I was allowed to speak. It's very hard to speak for five minutes, as you probably know. So I wrote <laughs> out my comments. I ran through them. It was like eight minutes. I was like, oh, my God, you know, I had to cut stuff out. Um, I leaned very heavily on our vice president for strategic marketing here, our CMO. She's wonderful to deal with. So, again, I encourage you when you get an opportunity to do something special, you don't do it all by yourself, right? You pull in your network and you, you use people. I would have thought you would have had student interns well, on it. Well, <laughs> you know, I could have gotten some student interns, but, you know, I have such a broad, a rich network. It was it was really, really great. So Jamie and I worked through the written material. It's a spoken, excuse me, the verbal. Got it down to where it was on the Friday afternoon before I had to leave. It was like four minutes and 47 seconds. I, it was it was. It was just like right on. Um, I actually had been planned. I had already had on my schedule earlier that week. The testimony was on Wednesday. I was already scheduled to speak at an event at Princeton on Monday. So I actually flew to New York, did my and decided I was just going to focus on the Princeton thing. Did that, took a train to D.C. on the Tuesday. My daughter happens to work at the United States Senate. So it was very cool. I got there on Tuesday. She and I had lunch at the Senate. She walked, walked me around. We went into the hearing room. And so I was not nervous at all. I just had decided I was going to enjoy it, you know, and I was really comfortable. So, so how many people were in the hearing room when you were there? Um, the committee itself is 22 senators. And um, just to be clear, they didn't all show up, you know, so um, <laughs> so sure. there were a couple of little interesting things. It's a big room. And the four uh, panelists, it's like, I'm going to say, you know, it's kind of, I'm, I know I'm doing, we're on a podcast, so people can't see, but you know, the, the table is, um, there's a, there was a dais at the front and then a horseshoe taped shape shaped table. So we were a long way from the dais. Um, there's about 22 senators, I think, on the committee. But I would say, and they kept coming in and out. So I would say at any time, there were eight to 10 senators in the room. It was not open to the public, but we could bring guests. So my husband joined me, my colleague from Educause joined me. My daughter was there because the senator that she works for is on the committee. So she was there. Oh, fun. Um, it was broadcast on C-SPAN. So luckily, you know, I had put my phone on do not disturb or whatever, because when I turned my phone back on, man, it was blowing up, you know, like, oh, my God, I just saw you on the C-SPAN. It was, so it's like, oh, OK. Yeah. So it was it was a great experience. There, there were four um, great panelists. I'm, I'm just going to give their names. Uh, they're on the okay. health side. There was a woman named Denise Anderson, Denise Anderson, excuse me. And Denise is the president and the CEO of something called Health Isaac, which is Information Security Advisory Council. I think I might have that acronym wrong. She'd be a great panelist for you, by the way. You should interview oh, Denise. Okay, great. Uh, awesome. There was a person named Josh Corman, who's a big health um, security expert. And then there was a woman from um, Oregon called Amy McLaughlin. And Amy really spoke about K-12 issues. And then I spoke about higher ed issues. So uh, I was the last one to speak, you know, and so it, it is interesting. It's very formal. You come in and the, the senators come in and there's, 
It's like, okay, five, your five minute starts, a clock goes and it beeps when it gets to five minutes. And so, <laughs> I, you know, the fact that I was so prepared was made it what made it go well for me. Then each member of the committee has five minutes to ask questions. So um, we got, now I will say that they were much more focused on the health side than the education side. So most of the questions went to Denise and Josh because there were a lot, Josh, I feel, um, you know, I, I thought we all did really well, but Josh had props, right? He brought in like a pacemaker and said, imagine what it would be like if this got got hacked and it's oh, it's hard to compete okay. with that um so they had a lot of questions for for josh and for um denise a little bit more than for me and amy but after the hearing the senators had through june to follow up with other questions and i got more questions after the fact so one of the things that i thought was really um encouraging is I really felt that they had read the materials that, that I submitted because the questions that came in reflected that they they knew what I was talking about, right? So there were good, I, I feel like, you know, people have said to me, do you think it made a difference? Or, and I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know, but I do feel that those senators are better informed. And I feel really that they did actually read the materials or maybe their staff read the materials. Oh, that's good. But, you know, it was great. Right. And for our listeners, tell us, um, Helen, what was the overarching premise that you put out there? I wanted to really get across um, three things or well, maybe more. I, some, you know, first of all, that it's it's a very challenging, cybersecurity is very challenging in higher ed. It's a constantly changing landscape. It's very difficult to keep up with what the the, the hackers are, are doing. So it's every, it's the complexity of the work is, is you know, just, just almost, you know, 10 years ago, we couldn't have imagined this complexity of work. And, and you can see that yourself in anything that you, you think about, you know, um, whether it's phishing or ransomware and just all kinds of threats that we wouldn't have, social engineering, those kinds of things are there. Um, but the challenges that that brings to universities in particular um, it's expensive. It's expensive to to keep uh, your university safe. And the other thing that I think people don't really think about is that you know higher ed's not we're not monolithic. So we have the same challenges exist for a very large research one university with a, you know sixty thousand students and a large staff. Or a community college, which is maybe far less resourced, but the community college has to keep the student information safe. They've got financial information about their students, about their parents, and they need to keep it safe. So um, they're still a big target, but they may not have the resources that, say, you know, a, a much bigger university might have. So that's some of the challenges that we have. In addition, the other thing that we struggle with at universities is uh, we're, we are also pretty heavily regulated, and there's some complexity around that. And in fact, uh, sometimes the regulations are actually, um, they they don't align, right? That they, they might actually not be consistent at all, because we have to maintain, you know, 
if we're doing research with DOD data, there's a set of regulations for DOD that might actually conflict with regulations that we have in the state of California. So one of the messages I wanted to get across is, is there a way that we could maybe coordinate some of the regulatory requirements? Because that really takes a lot of time. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, we're struggling to with resources. And so time to kind of, if it feels like we're just checking a box and not actually, it's not, if it's not actually helping us keep people's information safer? Is there a way we can make it feel a bit more um, streamlined? Uh, and then, you know, finally, we, I talked a fair amount. And I, 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 the K-12 people, I, I think everyone had the same question. It's hard to, even if you have resources, to find people who can work in this field. So, you know, we want to kind of figure out ways. And that's where I got questions as well. What can we do to make sure we're producing enough people to work in this field? Because there is a demand and it's going to continue and we're going to, um, you know, we're going to just continue to need people to to help us stay safe. And so, you know, those are the, the main messages that I tried to get across to the senator. Uh, I talked a little bit about some of the things that we do in higher ed. Um, higher ed is a very collaborative community. I, I even mentioned that when I talked about putting together my materials. So there are certainly higher ed leaders, we get together and we, um, there, the, there's less of a sense of competition between us than maybe in, in industry. So we work very closely to produce materials um, or resources that we can, that we can all use. And a good example of that is uh, Educause has produced a tool uh, called, it has a terrible acronym, but it what it does is it allows, it's a tool that you can provide to vendors as we move more and more to the cloud that helps you evaluate their security stance. And so Educause has produced this tool, it's called the HECVAT. Um, any university can use it, and it really helps. If, if I'm a small university with one person or a half a person working on security, I would not have time to develop that tool. So that's one of the things we do in higher ed to respond to some of the challenges. And we share information. So um, that's a, a positive. I wanted to get that across. And finally, we work with the agencies very closely. We work with the FBI. We work with local agencies so that when... There is a threat or an incident. We're a little bit more prepared for that. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I understand why you do. Um, I just wasn't aware of that. So that's good. Yeah. You probably deal with all kinds of situations, I'm sure, Yeah, going through that. Right. And then how did it end? How did it kind of wrap up? Did you just leave or... Yeah, 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 it was. So we went, we we did our five minutes and then each senator who was in the room, and, and as I mentioned, it was kind of interesting because they were coming in and out a fair amount. I have a little story about that. But then they asked questions. And in fact, I, I mentioned one of them, he had asked a couple of questions and he wanted to ask another question. I think it was Senator Hickenlooper. And um, he was at his five minutes. And so uh, Senator Murray said, well, you know, you're at your five minutes. And he was like, well, I'll submit my question later. So, you know, Senator Murray thanked us um, at the very end, you know, indicated that about that there'd be follow up and uh, the materials are now all part. My, my testimony, my documents that I submitted are all part of the official uh, U.S. Senate record. So so that's kind of cool. You know, I'm in the, the U.S. Senate. Oh, Helen, thank you. 
You make such a difference, truly. Well, thank you. So, so listen, when, you, when, when you're not uh, testifying in front of the Senate <laughs> and fighting ransomware, t- tell us what else you do in your job as a CIO. Well, as you mentioned, or I think as Beth mentioned, I'm the CIO at Chapman University. We're in Southern California, um, down in Orange County, just outside of LA. And, you know, my, my, my role is what you'd see with most CIOs. It's, uh, you know, I manage all of the IT for the university providing services, you know, whether it's our infrastructure, obviously our information security, our enterprise systems, um, academic technology is a big piece that uh, is probably something that one wouldn't cover as much in a outside that outside of higher ed, obviously. Um, and I happen to have uh, the the university library also reports into me, so I'm responsible for the university library. So we provide support um, to all of our students, our faculty, and our staff. Uh, very interesting times, as you can imagine, during the pandemic, because we were like everyone else. You know, we're we suddenly had to go to remote work. Test your DR. Yeah. <laughs> well, we also had to go to remote teaching, which we didn't anticipate. So that's um, when we really got a sense of how, I, I think we always knew this, but it really um, illustrated for us how dependent the university is on technology. Because for a year, students learned completely in a, t- in a technical and in a virtual environment. We're pretty much, I would say, what one might think of as a bricks, bricks and mortar. Is that how brick and mortar university? Yeah, brick and mortar. Um, you know, our students value, we have small class sizes. Our students come here because they value that connection to the faculty. Uh, we don't have interest in, it's not in our strategic plan, you know, to become more online because that's not what our students and their parents expect when they sign up to come to Chapman. They expect a more traditional experience. Right. And they want them out of their house. They want them out of their house. (laughs) (laughs) They do. uh, So So, Helen, tell us, how did your background prepare you to become a CIO? Like, tell us about your career trajectory. Sure, sure. You know, uh, it's one of the things I I think of. I, I think, um, You know, I don't know, you know, I'm originally, I know it's hard to tell anymore, but I'm originally from Ireland. I grew up in a, um, in Dublin, in Ireland. Nobody in my family had gone to college. So I was the first in my family to go to college. Uh, When I was in high school, I happened to be very gifted at math. So I kind of was like, okay, well, I guess I'll go study math because, you know, what are you going to do? You know, I didn't, we didn't, we didn't, I just didn't know, you know. Um, right. So I kind of fell into a technology career. Uh, I, when I left college, I actually went to live in Germany for a few years and worked as a computer programmer um, because in my um, undergraduate program, we did, we did some computer programming and I, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than the math. So um so I worked as a computer programmer for a number of years. Uh, I ended up kind of moving around in a variety of fields in IT. Um, you know, I worked as a systems administrator for a number of years. And, uh, I, you know, I, and I think that that's the best preparation to be a CIO. I don't feel um, if I had come up kind of one 
one leg of the stool, you know, if I'd always been in infrastructure or if I'd always been in customer service or if I'd always been in in programming or something, I think I would have been a little less prepared. So I, I always encourage people to think about taking a lateral move in their careers, right? You know, so you might be a director of I don't know, some area infrastructure services, take a lateral and be a director of customer service or something like that. And and I think it just fills you out and, and prepares you a little bit better to be um, to oversee the whole organization. So did you ever have, you know, a lot of executives say that sometimes they were in roles where they felt they were in the imposter syndrome or they just didn't know anything about the role at all. Did you ever have that happen to you? Um you know, I, I think I have days where I go, oh, what am I, you know, hmm, should I be, you know, I'm just a girl from the north side of Dublin. Should I be testifying before the Senate? You, you know, I, I I think we all have that because um, I, I think in order to advance your career, you have to take risks and you have to um, go and, and take roles that, you know, and I encourage women in particular because I have always read that men will look at an ad and say, oh, I meet 30 percent of the requirements. So I'm a good candidate and women don't. I, I hear it all the time. That's so true. And and I want top dollar. <laughs> yeah. And I want all the money, you know. And so I think it's there's some truth to that if we see, oh, it says five years and I only have four and a half, you know, we go, oh, I don't know, you know. So um you have to kind of put yourself out there, and that might sometimes put you in an area where maybe you don't have the kind of experience that you you think the role might have deserved or might have needed. Um, I, I think I also encourage people in that role. You know, it's sort of, you're, first of all, you're probably not an imposter, right? You're probably absolutely fine, and it's, it's you know, you can do it. But also, use your network. You, you have help. You go to C-suite, talk to people. If you're feeling anxious about, I don't know as much about information security. Oh my God, I don't feel like I know enough about information security to testify before the U.S. Senate. But man, I went out to my network. And when I was in that room, I, I, I pretty much look like an expert. So so I, <laughs> I encourage people, you know, first of all, you're probably not an imposter. But secondly, if you feel anxious or, or nervous about what you don't know, you got people behind you. You got people supporting you. Take advantage of that. Yep. The network is amazing thing. And I'm actually going to tag take your tagline, use your network, go to C-Suite. Yeah, that there was you brilliant. Go. <laughs> I love that. Love that. So as we wrap up for today, I know you're very passionate about <laughs> advancing women in technology. Tell us a little bit about, more about that and we'll kind of wrap up with Sure, that. sure. Well, you know, I've, I've been working in technology for um, more years than we want to think about, right? Uh, and so <laughs> I think at the very beginning of my career, I often was just the only woman in the room, the only woman in the department, the only woman, you know, at the meeting or, or whatever. And sadly, that still happens, right? It's still, that's still there. Yeah. I look at photos of myself at meetings, you know, where they've said, "Oh, we had a great meeting last night," and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, me and the 21 guys," you know. Um, and so, I, I just think we're not. I, I think, first of all, you know, there's a case of is it right or not, but it's really a com- about, in my opinion, a competitive advantage. I think we just do better when we have more diversity in our groups, and. Um, you know, we all hear, you know, there's the great resignation and it's hard 
to hire people. Well, let's, you know, we, we have some, in some areas, whether it's women or some underrepresented minorities, um, groups that we, where we can be doing a better job of bringing them in. And so it, it's a win-win. So we, we can deal with the hiring issues we have and we can address the, the equity issues at the same time. So some of the, the steps that I take to personally to, to try to, um, maybe change that a little bit. I, I think, you know, it's no secret that maybe the technology industry hasn't always been friendly to women. And a lot of women walk in and they don't see themselves and they feel unwelcome. Well, you know, I'm a woman CIO. So I think it's really important for me to be visible. And so that other women can see that there is a path for them. So, you know, I think that that's one thing that I can do is be visible, be out there, talk to women. You know, I, I, I always say, you know, if any woman wants my advice, Manfred, just call me. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you, you know? Um, and so I, anyone on the call, just call me, I'll talk to you. Uh, so I think that that's one thing that I try to do. I also try to, and, and this is maybe more, I, I serve on a number of boards. If I have the opportunity to nominate a person to be on a board or maybe for an award, I make a point of nominating a woman. I, I also nominate men. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, but I think it's really important for us to to support each other. And so I, I think it's really important for us to do that. And as a white woman, I think it's also probably more important for me to nominate women of color who are even less represented in technology. So I, I think, you know, sp mentoring and sponsoring women is something that we can all do. Um, and, um, and just to be available to other women. Yeah. And you are fabulous with that, Helen, I should oh, say, in all our interaction with you, you're always so welcome to do that. Um, so we want to thank you today, Helen, Norris for joining us, the CIO at Chapman University. Yeah, thank you. It was great. Yeah, it was great. I could just sit here and listen to you for a long time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have so many stories. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to thank our sponsors. Thank you to our listeners. We really appreciate you. Thank you, our sponsors, Google, the accounting firm of RSM, the law firm of Manette, City National Bank, advertising media and PR companies of Interpublic Group, IPG, and my firm, Executive Search and IT Consulting, Amplify Professional Services. Thank you for listening and hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, also on YouTube, and leave us a review, as well as we're on all the social media channels, of course. And then if you have a question, please feel free to send us an email at beth at csweet.org, C-S-W-E-E-T.org. And check out our website and come to our events and get involved, www.csuite.org. And thank you so much again, Helen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.